you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 142, and I want to read one little verse, and I want to turn to another verse. Psalm 142, verse 7. The first part of that verse, it says, bring my soul out of prison. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm going to sort of depart from that for a minute, but I'm going to tie it in. First of all, I want to make a few remarks to the church and uh, thank you so very, very much for your support for us in this ministry. We're not a very big ministry. We're just a little itty-bitty small ministry. And, um, but we appreciate so very, very much your prayer support that you had for us. Um, I guess I, I, I would say that I, I was very surprised with the amount of prayer support that we had, not just from this church, but we had other people, prayer warriors, that were lifting us before the Lord and, and, uh, and, and praying and asking God to bless us in ministry. We had this church and other churches in Canada. We had other churches in the United States, in Florida. And then we had the Jamaican people themselves who were praying. Uh, we don't believe that we could do anything without prayer, without God's people praying for us. If we had done any good whatsoever in Jamaica, it was because that God's people were behind us in prayer. Uh, By the way, dear friends, let me just say this, that in whatever takes place, when you have missionaries come to the church and present their ministry, uh, they can't do anything unless there is prayer for their ministry. Whether it's missionaries, whether it's evangelists that come through, we seek your prayer. And you'll notice that almost every missionary that gets up and stands behind this podium, the first thing they say is, we need your prayer support because they know that their power, their, their success comes from God's people when they pray. By the way, we don't just need to pray for our missionaries. We don't need to just pray for our evangelists. We need to pray for our pastors. We need to do that in our church to be constantly lifting up the leadership of Bethel Baptist Church. Because, dear friends, we will not be able to accomplish anything in this church unless we get serious about prayer. But I believe that for those of you who prayed, that there will be fruit that may abound 
to your account. What I mean by that is um, you will not maybe see on earth what good you have done, but perhaps in the eternal heaven, you will see that this person or these people group were reached because you had prayed for us. I believe that. Now, when we were there in Jamaica, we preached at four churches. We did two revivals, each of them a week long. We visited seven schools while we were there. I preached at a police station, which was unique. I preached at a convalescent home for uh, police officers who were recovering from uh, injuries they uh, received while in the line of duty. And I had the opportunity of preaching at one jail. Now let me just first of all talk about our accommodations. Um, We first arrived at Montego Bay, and uh, so we were at the airport. The first miracle is that we were found. I mean, I didn't, I don't know how that actually happened, but they came and they picked us up. There was masses of people, and there was like seven rows of traffic going around, and they they saw these white people there on the side, and thought, these guys must be the ones uh, to go. So we got picked up right away out of Montego Bay, right away out into the rural areas, and uh, the pastor told us, he says, now you're going to see Jamaica. And I said to him, that is what we want to see. We want to see Jamaica. We're not interested in the resorts. A lot of people thought, you know, well, you know, it must be nice, you know, to suffer for Jesus and and go to Jamaica and all those white sands and beautiful resorts. We didn't visit the white sands and the beautiful resorts. We wanted to see Jamaica. And we were taken to a a little town that had a a Bible uh, college there. It was called Fairview Bible Baptist College. And uh, we went to this place and... uh, uh, unfortunately, that college has really become desolate. Um, a lot of the buildings had no windows. A lot of the buildings had no doors. And uh, we were a little concerned when we got there and thought, oh my, what have we gotten into? And we drove up this great big hill. At first, that vehicle wasn't even able to make it up the hill. We thought, uh-oh. Had to back back up down again and get a bit of a run at it and get up that hill and... Uh, I'm thinking, I wonder what Kathy's thinking about this. And then we, we got to our, our little apartment, you might want to call it. And uh, we, everything, one of the first things I noticed in Jamaica was all of the windows had bars on them. And all the doors had bars on them. And uh, I thought, oh boy, I wonder what that means, you know. And uh, they gave us a key and showed us how to open up the gate then they took us into this little room, and Kathy wasn't really too impressed, but I thought, oh boy, well, maybe tomorrow will look a lot brighter. And um, the thing was that we, we got settled into our place, and it, it wasn't much, but they gave us the very best that they have. We're not complaining about our accommodations. The, the big problem is that these Canadians were too soft, and uh, we just expected, you know, pillows and nice soft things for us and uh but we learned to think that this was good for us 
One of the things that we had up there was solitude. We couldn't get that down in where there's a lot of people, so we were grateful. We got locked away in our little cage, and we had solitude, and we, we had tranquility. Um, so when we got there, the first couple days were basically just decompressing, getting ready to go. The first meeting would start on Sunday morning. And Saturday night was a, a very interesting time. Um, we were up in a big hill or a mountain, you might want to call it, very mountainous where we were. And um, down in the valley, there was a bar down there. Now, when I say a bar, I'm talking a, a building about a size of the choir loft. There was maybe one great big, all kinds of drinks, and great big massive speakers. And these guys played music loud. Now, I don't know how loud it was down in the valley, but they say that it's louder up on the mountain than it was in the valley. Now, now Caribbean music is one thing, but this was nasty. I mean, this was just nasty. And I don't know if ever you remember back many years ago, those pinball machines. You know the pinball machine, you pull it, and that ball goes out, and it goes, bing, 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 like that. Well, for whatever reason, I don't know why, some sort of entertainment, I guess, they, they had this, this music going, so it was like the Caribbean sort of beat going on, and then, and then it would be interjected with, bing, bong, bing, bong, bing, 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 bong, bing, bong. I thought, this is just the most irritating thing that you could imagine. It was just nasty. It went on till 1 a.m. in the morning. We were getting ready for revival meetings the next day. And we wanted to spend time in prayer. We wanted to spend time in quietness. We wanted to get our hearts ready for meetings. And I believe that that was aimed at, from, at us from the devil himself, sort of like what you would have pictured where, you know, two warring factions are getting ready to have a battle. And then over in the distance, you could hear that distant drum beat, you know, like just constantly, just to psych the other guys out. That's what it felt like to us. We had a little iPad, and I, I put some gospel music on. I turned that little iPad on as loud as I could get it, and we put our ears as close to the iPad as we could. And you know what? It was just like that, like the devil. We, we know that the devil was doing a work, but that he couldn't touch us. We just trusted in God. We believed that God was going to do something. We had each other. We had the Lord, and it didn't make a difference what the devil was trying to do in that case. I had some physical struggles while we were there. One of those was my voice. Um, we had arrived in Florida. I had done some preaching, and, and almost like a coating was on my throat. And I, I, it wasn't really that it was sore, but it, it was that I couldn't really expel. I couldn't really project my voice like I like to you know sometimes I like to get a little excited but just wouldn't come out and I thought to myself well I don't know what's going on because we haven't even started revival and I'm thinking my if my voice is already like this what's it going to be like after I preached 15 20 times 
I wasn't going to worry about it. I just started to preach. The first meeting began on Sunday morning, and we got there, and I, I, I tried to preach the best I could, and it didn't really come out great, but I preached as good as I could and just trusted God that uh, he would bless it. It doesn't really depend on our voice anyways. The other issue I had was motion sickness. Anybody ever had motion sickness? Isn't that lovely stuff? Good times, right? Motion sickness. Man, I'm telling you. Now, uh, in Jamaica, the roads are terrible. No? No, no. They're, they're horrendous. If there was a word worse than horrendous, that would be these roads. And uh, they have this, this sort of ability to drive. That is, they, they go very, very fast. And when they come to a pothole, no, not a pothole. They didn't have potholes in Jamaica. They had craters. So when they came to a crater, they would get there and they would slam the brake on. And then they would either go through the crater or they would zip around it like this. And I'm thinking this isn't going to work. And on the way back from our first meeting, and I think I was in the car maybe three minutes, and I started to get so sick. I, I, didn't, I did not think I was going to make it. We had about a, maybe a half an hour drive to get back to where our lodgings were. And I tell them that was the longest longest half hour. I thought to myself at a certain point, you know, if marauders were to come and, and to, to stop us and were to point a gun at our heads and demand something of me, I would have just said, shoot, get it over with. <laughs> and, uh, but we, we got through that and uh, um, I was on gravel a lot of the time. I didn't really like to, it, um, but I got through the motion sickness and every time I got up to preach, it didn't matter what. God gave me the strength to preach. Like I said, four different churches, two different revivals. I preached 25 times in the 20 days that we were in Jamaica. I know that seems incredible maybe, but the more incredible thing is that Kathy listened to 25 messages while we were there. We held the first revival at Independence Hall Baptist Church. And the interesting thing about Jamaica is that when we first got to Independence Hall Baptist Church, uh, we arrived and there was maybe eight people in the church. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, to me, it doesn't make a difference if there's eight people or there's 80 people or there's 800. I'm just going to preach the gospel and preach whatever God puts on my heart. And so we, we got in there, we greeted the people, and then uh, we sat down like we normally do in the front row, and uh, they started to do their singing, and it they're singing, they sing some of the same songs that we sing, but with a completely different beat. And uh, I don't know if that's sort of a call to worship, maybe once the, the people hear the music, if they, they start to come, I don't know. But by the time I got up to preach, there was about 30 people in the church. And I preached, I gave an invitation, and uh, we preached all the way from Sunday morning until Friday night, and uh, every night it was the same thing. We'd get there, there would be 
five, six, seven people. But by the time we got up to preach, there would be sometimes 60, sometimes 70 people in the church. And the, the great thing is there was that there were some souls that got saved. One lady, her name was Nestlin, she got saved on Sunday morning, and she came every single meeting, every single time she came. There was another couple of boys, uh, Jason and Jordan. Uh, they, they were a little simple, I, I might, I'll say that, but I mean, God knows the sincerity of their hearts, and they came forward and trusted Jesus for their salvation. I believe that, that it was a great time of revival for this church. And uh, we didn't hear it, but the pastor relayed back to us after we had left that they had a meeting. And some of them said that they wish that the revival could have gone on longer. Some said, too bad we couldn't go on for two weeks. Now let, let that just sink in a minute. We here in North America and Canada... We think that we've had revival when we've had two or three nights of revival. And then we sometimes say, oh my goodness, that was hard for us to come to church that many times? Come on. And these people are saying, too bad we couldn't have kept on going for a couple of weeks. And by the way, most of the people that came to these meetings, they walked to the meetings. I, I was amazed how... The meeting started in the dark, and I stood on the veranda. There was just enough light cast from the church, and it seemed like these people came out of the darkness and just came into the church. One over there, one over there, another over here, another over there, and they just came, and they worshiped. Dear friends, we need revival. And I mean not just a couple of days Real revival, having revival meetings, extended meetings. They had a meeting and they said that they would like to have us back. That's an encouragement. I don't know if they're glutton for punishment, but they wanted to have us back. And then we went to another church, Spice Grove Baptist Church. First, uh, we went to a little church before that church. That was on Sunday morning the following week. We went to a little itty-bitty church. All farm people. When I say farm people, it's not like farm people here. These people still have donkeys and things like that. that they're far and their farms aren't very big. And they don't make a whole lot of money, but they came to church. And then on Sunday evening, we were getting ready for the revival to start at Spice Grove Baptist Church. And uh, very interesting, the meetings... We're supposed to start at 6.30 in the evening. We left the pastor's house at a quarter after six, and it was a 45-minute drive to get to the church. I thought that was kind of strange, but anyways, um, I might add too, like I echo what Ray, Ray said, it was hot. It was hot for these Canadians while we were there. Uh, Cassidy warned me that it would be hot, but I thought, come on, how hot could it be? But it was hot. And uh, we got there, and by the way, it was hot for them too. We got to the church, and the people were sort of in their chairs and just sitting like this, and it was hot. And uh, we got singing, 
By the time I got up to preach, there was maybe 18 people in the church. And I thought to myself, I, I don't know what to expect. If there's only 18 people, that's fine with me. But my problem wasn't what the amount of people. My problem was the disposition of them. They were depressed and they were despondent. And I thought to myself, Lord, if they want revival, they're going to have to be doing better than this. I preached the gospel. I gave an invitation. Nobody responded. I thought to myself, I will approach this differently. And I simply said, how many in the church would be willing to pray and ask God to send revival on the church? How many would be willing to pray and how many would be willing to invite somebody to come to the church? Nobody put their hands up. Nobody. Well, I thought to myself, maybe I, I said it wrong. Maybe they just didn't understand. I'll try saying it another way. How many would say they will put a, a, aside a few minutes or a time of the day that would ask God to bless the church with revival? How many would say they would go and ask, invite a friend to come to the church? Two people put their hands up. And Kathy says she heard one woman audibly say that she would pray. Now, I'm thinking maybe there was more that prayed than indicated who would. Maybe there were those who put their hands up and didn't pray. But somebody was praying in that church and not just that. I know that there were prayer warriors uh, here in the United States who were praying too. I told them, I said, if you will pray and if you will believe God, by Friday we'll have 100 people in the church. Now, I don't know if they believed it. I don't know that I believed it, but that's what I said. On uh, Monday night, which after Sunday night, a lot of times, you know, it's a little bit, bit of a struggle. You're trying to get some momentum. We had 30 people that came to the church. On Tuesday night, we had 40 people that came to the church. And I encouraged them. I said, you are a people that know how to get the ear of God. You know how to ask God to bless your church. And I think that encouraged them. And they began to pray more fervently. Wednesday night, we had 50 people that came to the church for meetings. Thursday night, we had 60 people that came to the church. I said to the pastor on the way home Thursday night, I said, Preacher, what are you going to do if uh, 70 people come to the church on Friday night? He said, oh, we can squeeze in 70. I said, what are you going to do, preacher, if we get 80? He says, we can squeeze in 80. I said, preacher, what are you going to do if we get 100? He said, we got extra chairs. We'll figure it out. I mean, it wasn't a great big building. Well, wouldn't you know it, Friday night, 100 people came to the church. They brought out extra chairs. There was a double door at the back and a veranda underneath it. There were people standing under the veranda and listening to God's word. Dear people, we can have revival if we will put our hearts to prayer. Uh, we have to approach it like we really want it. Like we're desperate for revival. There were 
several souls that got saved during that revival. That blesses my heart. There were many who, who indicated that God had brought revival to their souls. Dear friends, that's why we came. There were people there with eternal souls, and they were getting a little bit down, just needed a little pick-me-up. Friends, if all we did was, it was encourage a few souls, that was enough. We went to another church the uh, following Sunday, a little church, and beautiful. They didn't have a pastor, but there was a good turnout. And uh, I preached the gospel, and I asked if anybody would want to trust Jesus Christ. And that, that church was a long and a narrow church. And there was this young boy at the back. His name was Burton. And uh, he was sitting at the back, very back row. And I love it when this happens. You give an invitation. And somebody from the back row gets out of their pew and walks down that aisle all the way to the front. He wasn't ashamed. And he came forward. And he prayed to trust Jesus Christ in front of maybe 60 or 70 people in that church that morning. Just a young man. I have good hopes for him. We ministered at seven different schools while we were there. These were public schools, not Christian schools. Some of the things that impressed me most about those schools is, first of all, they were well-disciplined. These were public schools, and they were well-disciplined. They all wore uniforms. They were a lot in one class. They had one teacher, and they sat in desks, and they seemed, as far as we could tell, to do as they were told. Not only that, but uh, they were hardworking, and they were extremely respectful. Let me just say this. There is a lot that is wrong with Jamaica. There is. But there's a lot that is right with Jamaica too. I hear a lot of people say things like, well, you know, preacher, you, you ought to go to Jamaica because those folks need the gospel. Dear friends, who doesn't need the gospel? It's not they need the gospel, we need the gospel. Everybody needs the gospel. But let me tell you something about the schools in Jamaica. First of all, they still have prayer every morning. They still have a time of devotion before school every morning. We don't have it in our, in our schools, do we? We have it maybe in the Christian schools, but not in the public schools. They sing their national anthem every morning. Let me read that national anthem. Eternal Father, bless our land. Guard us with thy mighty hand. Keep us free from evil powers. Be our light through countless hours. To our leaders, great defender, grant true wisdom from above. Justice, truth, be ours forever. Jamaica, land we love. Jamaica, 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 land we love. Teach us true respect for all. Stir response to duty call. Strengthen us the weak to cherish. Give us vision lest we perish. Knowledge send us 
Heavenly Father. Grant true wisdom from above. Justice, truth be ours forever. Jamaica, land we love. Jamaica, Jamaica, land we love. Let me just say this, friends, church. If revival fire should strike in Jamaica, they will be sending missionaries from Jamaica to Canada and to the USA to teach us how to serve God. I had an opportunity to preach at a police station. The constables gathered together. And I had an opportunity to go in and preach to the constables. My, my job was there to encourage them. Uh, these police officers, we need to encourage our police officers. They're lied to. They're disrespected. They, they're, they, they're treated terribly. And I went in and I just preached the gospel. And I could tell by looking at every one of their faces that they were all skeptical. Police officers are naturally skeptical because they look for evidence. And all I could give them was the love of Jesus Christ. And I encouraged them in their fight for good and prayed with them. And then we went to a convalescent home, like I, I mentioned, police officers who had been injured in the line of duty. And I went there and I preached that David, like David, he encouraged himself and the Lord. We just went there. Kathy sang some songs for them. They were all blessed. And I believe that they were encouraged with the gospel. And then I had the opportunity to go to a jail. That was probably one of the most moving experiences that I had. Kathy didn't go into the jail with me. I'm glad she didn't. It was all men. In this jail, it was designed to hold 32 prisoners. There was 56 prisoners in this jail. I don't know if you've ever read stories, if you've watched... Uh, depictions on TVs and through movies, what a dungeon looks like. This is what this jail looked like. There was 12 to 14 men in four different cages. It was all concrete. The walls were brown, just like the color of this wood. It was dimly lit. I opened up my Bible and I couldn't even see. I couldn't see to read. It stank in there. It was hot in there. Um, when I got there, the pastor that I was with said, we have this fella from Canada and he's going to preach to you. Oh, there was all kind of chattering and murmuring and whatever. I thought I heard one of them say, I'm going to cut him with my knife. I thought that's what he said. And I, I preached from this message, from the text that I gave you. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things uh, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things which are not seen are eternal. The Bible seems to give two distinct realities. There are the things that are seen and the things that are unseen. And two distinct durations, things that were eternal and things that are temporal. 
And I preached to them in the best way that I could. I actually sang a song a cappella first, and then I preached to them. And I told them the main reason why anybody would ever be incarcerated is because their main focus was on the things that are seen. In other words, they were living for today. Uh, they, they, they wanted the drugs. They wanted the alcohol. They wanted the, the pleasures of sin for a season. They, they wanted the, the sex pleasure. They wanted all that they could get, and they wanted it now, and it didn't matter what they did in order to get it. Now, this was a jail. Some of those people had been there, many of them had been there for over a year. Every one of them had started off with beautiful skin like Cassidy over here. But you know what? Their skin had literally turned gray because they hadn't seen the sun in so long. They were malnourished. All they got was a couple of biscuits and some water. And unless somebody came and brought them food, they weren't getting much in the way of nourishment. I'll tell you what, dear friends. If I was a criminal 10 minutes in that jail, that would cure me from crime. Now, I know that in our jails, and our prison systems, they got it pretty cushy. And I think sometimes if we took some of our prisoners from here and put them in there, that would cure them of crime. But there, it was a little bit too far the other way. It would be inhumane, in my opinion. But I told them, you sought for the things which are seen. And it didn't matter what you would do to get it. If you had to hurt somebody, if you had to steal from somebody, if you had to kill somebody, you were going to do it because that's what you wanted. I said, there's another world, though. It's the unseen world. And it has a long duration. It is eternal. It's eternal. I said, you can have the eternal world when you place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't see him on the cross, but he died for you on the cross. If you'll put your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you can be born again, you can have a new life, you have a new direction, and you'll have a new destiny in the eternal heavens. And it is eternal. I preach that message, and as in any place I preach, you never know. And the, 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 all the gates of these prison cells were all bars like this, and then there was a diamond-shaped kind of a grate that was welded onto those bars. And in the one edge of it, there was a, a piece of opening, maybe three inches by three inches, cut out. And uh, I started to kind of move away. And I heard the voice of somebody saying, preacher, preacher. And I looked over and there was a young man. And he just had his face down to that little hole and his fingers sticking part way out. And I said, did you want to trust Jesus for your salvation? He said, I do. He said, I do. I said, do you realize that you're a sinner? He says, I'm a sinner. I said, do you realize that Jesus Christ died for sinners? He said, I believe it. 
I said, do you believe that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary was sufficient enough to take away your sin? He said, I believe it. I said, will you pray to receive Jesus Christ today? He says, I will. And we prayed. There was these rough and tough prisoners all around. He didn't seem to mind. I could tell that he hadn't been there for very long because his clothes looked decent. He had some flesh on him. He was a young man, I would say about 20 or 21 years old. And I asked him to pray with me to receive Jesus. Not only God knows the sincerity of his heart, but friends, I had nothing to lose. He didn't need to call me over. He prayed to receive Jesus Christ for his salvation. I told him, son, God has set you free. God has taken away your sins and has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I say, you may still be in this prison cell. You'll have to pay for your crime. But you're free. And I said, you know what? There are some people who are outside of these bars. They may not be in a prison, but they are still in soul prison. His name was Shannon. I said, I'd pray for him. Jonah said, he heard me out of the belly of hell. David said, bring my soul out of prison. There was a young man who was set free that day. What about you tonight, dear friend? You say, oh, well, I, I'm a Christian and I'm set free. What have you been set free of? Uh, you're, you're free, but you're still playing with sin. Does that make you free? I mean, we, we sing songs all the time. My chains are gone. I've been set free. And we can sing it all we want, but just singing it doesn't make it happen unless we've put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I'm bothered by some of that sometimes. It's not a declaration. Has God set you free? You say, how do I get that? Well, David just simply cried. Bring my soul out of prison. You pray like that and God will take your soul out of prison. He will wash you in his own blood. And you will be born again by the spirit of the living God. Let me just say this, friend. That jail that I went to is a wretched hole. That's what it is. I mean, I wasn't allowed to bring anything in. I had to take my wallet. I had to take everything out, my, out of my pockets. I couldn't take any pictures or anything. And that's right. You could understand that. But friends, let me tell you this. In comparison to the eternal penitentiary of hell, 
That place is a palace. There it was hot, but in hell there will be the eternal flame. In that jail it stank, but in hell there will be the smell of fire and brimstone forever. That duration for some of those people were long. In hell it will be forever. On the eternal chains of incarceration will be written the words forever. On the entry or the exit or whatever you want to call it will be forever. And after 10,000 years, it will still say forever. And God says that you can have eternal life. Paid for in full by Jesus Christ and his blood. I wonder, are you here tonight and you need to be set free? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Like I've prayed and preached just about everywhere. Are you here tonight and you're in soul prison? You're without Jesus Christ. You're without hope. You're without God in the world. If you'll slip up your hand real quickly and say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to trust Jesus for my salvation. I'll see your hand and I'll pray for you. Is there anybody like that tonight would say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to trust Jesus. Anybody like that tonight? God is... Dealing with hearts tonight. I want to trust Jesus. Precious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness to us each and every single day. Thank you for this church, oh God. Pray that you would continue to bless it. Oh God, send a revival. We pray and ask in Jesus' wonderful name. And the church said, amen. Pastor?